Will more than two banks fail? Is it time to buy gold? Recently, the FDIC took over two banks that were in trouble. Now we have reports that an additional 20 regional banks have an excess of $650 billion in bond losses. The Fed admits that their increase in interest rates have done little to bring inflation under control. They may well increase the amount and frequency of interest rates. Isn't it time to consider gold in your portfolio? From January 1st, 2023 to today, the price of gold is up twice as much as the S&P 500. Go to blacksandwhites.us, click on the gold bar, and reach out to Advisors Metals and ask Ira, is gold right for you? Call now. It's important. Welcome to Black and White, a conversation with Dan Perkins. It's time to bring all of us together to talk about the issues that concern us. It's time to hear from people who want to deal with only the facts. And it's time for you, as Americans, to re-engage in your right of freedom of speech. It's time for you to join me in the conversation on Blacks and Whites. Welcome back to Black and White, and we have a very special guest today. Um, we're going to be talking about, believe it or not, 2024, and we have uh, a gentleman who is quite experienced at that, and that's Murray Saban, and uh, we're going to have a good time talking to him today. So welcome to Blacks and Whites, sir. Thanks, Dan. Great to be with you. My pleasure having you on. Tell us about yourself. Well, uh, let's start when uh, I came to America in August 1949 with my older brother and parents. We settled on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and after my younger brother was born in 1953, we moved to the Bronx, not far from the NYU campus, uh, uh, the Bronx NYU campus where the famous Hall of Fame is located. I grew up there, went through the New York City Public Schools. I was fortunate enough to uh, be admitted to the Bronx High School of Science, which at that time was, I think, the premier public high school in the country very academically challenged um, institution and um, it was a great education it was almost like being in college and then i went through the city university in new york city for my bachelor's and master's uh, majoring in history and uh, minoring in geography with a concentration in social studies education began my teaching career in the south bronx in one of the poorest areas of the country urban areas of the country i realized that was not going to be my full-time career for 30 40 50 years and so I entered a PhD program full-time in 1972 at Rutgers in the geography department because I wanted to teach at the college level. And through a set of circumstances, I gravitated toward economics and finance, but uh, did a dissertation on how inflation spreads through the U.S. economy and affects metropolitan areas unevenly. And that was the theme of my dissertation. And we can see the data right now in the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics because the national CPI is a composite of all the local CPIs. And it shows qu quite clearly that where the new money is entering the system, that's where prices will be increasing. And right now, the Sun Belt seems to have higher inflation because uh, money is coming in via migrants from other parts of the country who are bidding up the price of housing, which is a large component of the CPI. Um, uh, eventually, I got a job in the late 70s at one of the country's oldest economic institutions, the American Institute for Economic Research. Uh, spent some time as a staff economist and then working for their subsidiary on the investment side. Uh, got laid off in the uh, recession of 1981-82, came back to New Jersey and uh, worked in commercial real estate. And in 1985, I uh, got a temporary position at Ramapo College that turned into a tenure track position. And I stayed there for 35 years. 
uh, teaching finance, uh, corporate finance, securities investments, and my favorite course, Financial History of the United States, something that was woefully um, not taught at the, at the college level, and especially among business students. So students love the course because they learned how our financial and banking system evolved and what, has, uh, what have been the impacts over the decades. And of course, we ended the course with the um, financial crisis of 2008. I retired in July of uh, 2020. Uh, I have written two books since then, two on healthcare, one on the boom bust cycle, and my recent book on my memoir, uh, From Immigrant to Public Intellectual, An American Story, which uh, discusses my growing up in New York City and how I came from being a liberal Democrat in the 1960s to a libertarian and of course my campaign uh, in 1997 where i was the first third party candidate to receive matching funds which required me to be in the debates with the incumbent governor christy todd whitman and the democratic candidate the state senator and mayor jim mcgreevy and so that's how i ended that memoir in terms of what i accomplished even though i didn't win the election what i accomplished as an advocate for free markets and deregulation, some of the proposals I advocated were enacted by Whitman and then McGreevy, and we we had a blow, uh, we struck a blow for free speech, because in October 1997 I received a note in my mailbox from a sergeant in town where I was living in northern New Jersey saying I violated ordinance such and such for having a political sign on my front yard. And we went to court and the judge threw it out immediately as a violation of my free speech rights. And that's become part of case law in the state of New Jersey. So the point I make to people in recalling my uh, gubernatorial campaign is you don't have to win to get good policies enacted. Uh, on the other side, in 1912, the Socialist Party platform was all this um, big government uh, policies. And guess what? Virtually everyone had every one of those policies have been enacted in the last 100 years. So again, third party candidates serve a very important function. They move the needle one way or the other in American politics. I have I have a lot of questions that I want to I want to deal with two in the time we have remaining in this first segment. Uh, the headline in the piece that the your publicist sent out to me was Joe and Kamala will not won't be the final 2024 ticket. Why? Well, I think the insiders are very worried about Joe. Uh, his health, he's had medical issues uh, for most of his adult life. We see his cognitive decline dramatically the last two years. And so they're very nervous about having him go out there for another campaign, unless he's gonna run it from the basement like he did in 2020. So I think right now what Biden did is he announced his candidacy, he cleared the field except for J, uh, RFK Jr. and um, Marianne Williamson, and RFK Jr. now has 19% in the polls. So I think the, the insiders will go to Biden right before the um, convention, which will be in Chicago next summer, the summer of 2024, and say, Joe, thank you for your service. It's time that we move on. And the insiders strike a deal to bring in Gavin Newsom from California as the nominee, who's uh, chomping at the bit to become the Democratic presidential nominee. This way, they knock off two birds with one stone because Kamala Harris can't be on the ticket because the vice president and the president have to be from two different states. So this is what the insiders, I think, are planning. I have no inside information about their, uh, about their goals, but it seems to me uh, Biden in the next year and a half could be really in a major decline cognitively and uh, and medically because 
I think he's getting some sort of special therapy when he goes to Delaware every week or every other week, because there's no way he can go from looking like he's lost on stage to having a vibrant um, discussion with reporters. And the, the fact that the DNC will not have any primary debates speaks volume of what they think about uh, Joe's ability to articulate positions and defend positions like the Ukraine war, uh, like our aid in the Ukraine war. The, the White House this morning uh, dropped what I consider to be a, a huge bombshell. And I don't know that everybody's heard it yet, but as they get home this evening and they see the evening news, I'm, I'm hoping that the mainstream media will carry the story. Biden wants to explore of sending 1,500 American troops to Ukraine. That is something that is stunning. That, yes. mean, that means we are in direct conflict with, uh, with Russia. And God knows where this can go. I lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis in October 1962, we where we came so close to a nuclear exchange with the Soviet Union. And right. thank goodness for JFK and Khrushchev using back channels to defuse the situation. And, uh, and that eliminated any possibility of, of a nuclear exchange between the Soviet Union and the United States. What, if, 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 I'm going to check this out because that'll be the, the focus of my next Substack column, which I'll probably write tomorrow, even though um, I usually write on Tuesdays and Fridays. But if he's sending 1,500 troops to Ukraine, that means anything is possible. And that could be the, one of the reasons the stock market is tanking today. Well, I think that that's, that's probably part of it. But I also think that um, there is no support, no measurable support by the American electorate to send our men and women into harm's way in Ukraine. And uh, I think that they believed President Biden said when he said he wasn't going to put American soldiers at risk. If he's going to send, I mean, uh, I'm 77 years of age. Uh, I was in the infantry. I didn't go to Vietnam, but I was in the infantry during that time frame. And I know what was going on in my household with my brother-in-law, who was also an army veteran, uh, and and the and the uh, the tremendous. Uh, reaction on the part of the American people, especially young people who are against the war in Vietnam. I think that the, the, the American voter has invested a huge amount of money in trying to believe what Joe Biden says, especially about not sending troops. I think that if, if, if in fact what I heard this morning is correct and he wants to send 1,500 troops, 1,500 troops and they're great fighting people, uh, it is not going to make that much difference. So uh, I think it's only a, a, a jumping off place. And I think that that's, that's just devastating. The other thing going totally the other direction, you may have seen this story over the weekend. And uh, it's like um, Yogi Berra, the famous catcher for the New York Yankees, said when he saw something that's like deja vu all over again. Mm -hmm. Here we have the Department of Housing and Urban Affairs wants to charge people with good credit a percentage on the loans that they're borrowing 
mm-hmm. so that the, they can generate funds to give to poor people who can't afford a mortgage so they can get a mortgage. This is 2008 all over again. And uh, we've got about a minute. So you can, you can bite off a little bit and we'll continue after the break. So either one, take your choice. This is reminiscent of uh, jo- President Johnson's 1964 campaign when he looked at the American people in, in, in the eye and said, American boys are not going to fight in the, south, in the jungles of Southeast Asia. And a year later, he commits troops in July of 1990, uh, 1965 uh, to escalate the war in Vietnam. And they say the rest is history. So uh, presidents, do, whatever presidents say, count on the opposite happening. So when Biden said U.S. troops are not going to uh, Ukraine, you, sure enough, here it is, troops are going to the Ukraine. And uh, this is going to be tremendous blowback because God knows what's going to happen over the next several months if this thing escalates and uh, Russia decides to really up the ante in terms of uh, strikes in uh, NATO countries. I mean, this would this would be horrendous. And uh, Putin is being put in a box. And um, when you're put in a box and you uh, have some um, uh, really aggression on your border, anything can happen. Let me, let me just, because we're already past the break, but that's okay, this is an important subject. Do you remember when Lyndon Johnson, who could have run for two full terms, uh, decided not to run on the second term? Supposedly, he said to the American people to devote all of his attention to getting us out of Vietnam. Right. I wonder if that's an out for Joe Biden in 2024, as he escalates with more troops, he decides that he's not going to run. He's going to devote the rest of his time to try and generate peace in Ukraine. Well, if he if he does that soon, then they can, then the, the Democratic field will be wide open. You have Governor Murphy, Governor Pritzker, Governor Newsom, and who else from the Senate will jump in? Kamala Harris obviously will will jump in, and um, it's gonna, it'll be a free for all. I think Biden will hold off any announcement if he's going to withdraw it till the last minute, so nobody can jump in, and the insiders will determine who the uh, nominee will be. All right. Uh, uh, just to follow that, this morning, um, Newt Gingrich said, be cautious about the position of Michelle Obama in 2024. But we'll, co- we'll come back to that after this pause. We'll be right back with Murray. We are Americans, male and female, from many races and cultures from all over the world. One thing above all else is we are patriots who protect our nation and defend, when necessary, our Constitution from attacks both foreign and domestic. Today, as American patriots, we must take back our country from those who want to destroy it and us. We must start by taking back our children and their education. Parents, not union, should be in charge of our children's education. We must be sure that they are taught about the greatness of America and its people. Our children should not be indoctrinated with the belief that parents are racist and are evil and trying to destroy the world. As patriots, we must take back our country from foreign nations who want to destroy us and our way of life. Yes, as patriots, we want America to be first. We want an open and fair trade policy, energy independence, safe cities, and secure borders where we can grow and prosper as a nation of free people. Become an American patriot. Help take back America by voting Republican. Welcome back. We're having a fascinating conversation uh, with Murray about his observations about uh, the possibility that that Joe Biden wants to send 1,500 troops 
to uh, Ukraine. We don't. We haven't been able to verify that story yet. Just saw it, and then we talked about uh, Joe Biden and and his run. Um, what is what's your take on what's going on in the economy today? Well, what's going on is what I predicted in December uh, 2021 in a Fortune magazine article where I said, based upon the economic data that's unfolding at that time and my knowledge of financial history and uh, economic uh, downturns and boom and bust cycles, that the recession should be unfolding no later than the second half of 2023. And then I did a follow-up article uh, uh, two months ago, and I said, everything looks like it's on target. Uh, layoffs are occurring in the high-tech area, which expanded enormously during COVID. They took on a lot of employees. Uh, construction is slowing down in several parts of the country. And so uh, this is what happens during a recession. It is a correction of the unsustainable boom that is generated by the Federal Reserve's loose money, uh, monetary policy, where they kept interest rates at 0% for so long. And that creates a speculative bubble. We had it in the housing. We had it in the stock market. We had it in the bond market. We have it in collectibles. It's all over the place. Uh, I'm here in Southwest Florida. And, uh, and as you know, Dan, prices have gone through the roof here because people are moving in from other parts of the country. They borrowed at 3% for 30-year mortgages. Now those rates are well over 6%. So housing is gonna slow down because a lot of people are gonna be uh, um, priced out of the market, both from prices and from uh, financing costs. So you have a perfect storm unfolding in the economy. The question is how deep will this recession be? And there's a good chance it could be a fairly deep recession, especially if the Fed announces on Wednesday, a uh, day after we're t uh, doing this show, that they're going to raise interest rates again so maybe that's what the stock market is sensing out that rates are not going to come down the fed's not going to pivot because uh they created this mess uh over the over the last 15 20 years and so uh we just have to uh make our decisions based upon uh, whether we own a business whether we're a cfo or ceo or a retiree and make sure that our finances are not that adversely affected by uh the, the fed's uh contraction of credit in the economy. So let me, uh, let's go a little bit different direction based on the current news. Um, <clears throat> the mayor of New York and Chicago have both said publicly that they cannot take any more illegal immigrants coming from the Southern border. And they're begging um, the Texas governor to stop sending people because they don't have the resources not only the space, but the money to take care of them. No discussion at all about talking to the president of the United States, whose policy has created the situation. Yesterday, we had an absurd event. Again, you may not have seen it. In the daily press briefing yesterday, the press secretary said, and I quote, immigration is down, illegal immigration is down 90%. 90%. Well, she probably wasn't referring to the United States. Maybe some other country she was referring to. <laughs> no, she was, she was talking about us, 90%. And, and she just, just got hammered uh, in the social media and by some of the reporters. And you, you say to yourself, how could anybody make that statement that are down 90% when they, the, the Border Patrol and Customs is reporting something like uh, 6 million illegals coming in that they can count uh, since Biden took over as president. So 
uh, it's an example of not being able to believe what various parts of the administration, regardless of the subject matter, are yeah. telling the American people. Well, they can't seem to tell the truth. Well, this this is the old adage: uh, How do you know if a politician is lying? See if his lips are moving. And I think that's what we're seeing in Washington. And I've seen it all my life, uh, starting with, uh, I guess, the JFK administration when I was a, a youngster in junior high school, and seeing the statements that uh, presidents have been making and other government officials uh, since then. And of course, uh, running for office in the state of New Jersey, I saw the same thing with. Uh, county chairmen and governors and uh, state legislators. I mean, they just lie in order to keep their position in, in, in government. And this is a sad reality of, of our political culture is that honesty is taking a backseat to winning elections. That's not democracy as far as I'm concerned. Democracy is about virtue and character and honesty. If you don't have those qualities, then you don't have a functioning democracy. What you have is sort of a free-for-all of power grabbing. And so uh, having been uh, involved in the political process several times in New Jersey, I've seen this up close and personal. And I can tell you that um, uh, politicians make used car salesmen look like what? Virtuous characters. And uh, I, I think the American people need a, need a good lesson in what our politicians have done to us. And uh, quite simply, the way you look at it, we have $32 trillion in debt. Uh, and the interest expense is getting close to a trillion dollars a year. That It's going to be a trillion dollars, I think, by the end of this decade. And uh, I'm on record. Uh, I just gave a talk in Austin uh, over the weekend. I'm on record saying that we could have a very similar financial crisis like 1929 in 2029, because in my research for the financial history course, I've noticed something that is really fascinating, but I don't have an explanation for it, is that we seem to have 100-year cycles in financial crises. 1819, 1920, 2020, 1873, 1973, 1907, 2007, 1929, will 2029 be a repeat of 1929? Time will tell. All I know is I hope I'm there. I hope you are there. And we can see exactly what's going to happen and recognizing the problems, how do we solve them? Well, that's what, I, that's what I'm doing, Dan, is going on radio and TV and the podcast and saying, here are the solutions, free markets, deregulation, financial independence, non-intervention overseas, all, all the principles that will give us sustainable prosperity. And if we don't follow it, then we're just gonna continue with the boom bust cycle until one day, and that day, I think, is coming soon. <clears throat> We're going to see what happened in country after country where debt spiraled out of control and the central bank printed up money to buy the debt. And then you have a collapse in the currency. That's happened in Russia. That happened in Germany, of course, in 1923. That gave to the rise of Nazism. We had it in China after World War II. We had it in Zimbabwe recently. In country after country where governments print money to pay for their uh, expenditures you have an out of control system and then the currency collapses. Argentina, Brazil, it just goes on and on and on. And so we're headed that way. The question is when we will get there. I think that day of reckoning is closer than most people think.
So um, another piece of story that came out yesterday, again, you may not have heard it. Um, <clears throat> the Supreme Court has decided that they are going to hear a case from uh, your old home state fishermen who are challenging the bureaucracy of the federal government to make laws where the Congress should be making the laws. And mm -hmm. they are fighting the, the bureaucracy and the excess power and influence they have. Um, that would be a major situation if the, if the court ruled against uh, the deep state. Well, th this is why um, decentralization is key. Um, the Mises Caucus of the Libertarian Party, where I spoke in Austin this past Saturday, they have a program for, called Decentralization Revolution, where the, their focus is not so much on the presidential race, but getting candidates selected at the local level to come up with solutions at the local level to deal with the issues, whether it's housing, education, roads, uh, uh, business regulation, what have you, in order to make life better for people, because people live at a specific location. They don't live in the United States. They live in New York. They live in Florida. They live in California. And within those states, they live in particular uh, counties and cities and towns. So we need to have policies in place that will address the issues facing people in a specific location. And that's why it's, it's incumbent upon people to go on the school board, the city council, and affect change, affect change, which is based upon freedom and liberty and property rights. All the things that the founders gave us, they gave us the blueprint. It's called the Constitution. It's called the Bill of Rights. And those principles are articulated in the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. Unfortunately, the Constitution has been stretched so much that uh, the president virtually could do anything he or she wants with um, uh, executive orders. To me, that's not democracy. And of course, uh, FDR was, was the king of uh, executive orders, and uh, other presidents have followed suit, both Democrats and Republicans. And I say, let's decentralize decision-making. And um, one thing I uh, talked about four years ago when I gave my farewell address before I retired at Ramapo College, and I said, what will America look like the next 70 years? I think we're headed for a, a, a national breakup. I think we're going to see several countries emerge or a confederation like the Articles of Confederation before we had the uh, Constitution, because America is too big a nation for us to have consensus on a lot of these intractable issues, whether it's abortion, uh, uh, the Second Amendment, uh, uh, pharmaceutical issues and things like that. I think that would be wonderful for the United States. It's very hard to govern a nation of 330 million plus people and say one size fits all for the whole country. That's why the states have different laws counties have different uh, rules and regulations and i think that's the direction we should be going and that will create what i have been advocating for a long time it's called social harmony how do you get social harmony when some group imposes their will on the other group that's not democracy i mean if 51 percent of the people say that uh, for the uh, other 49 percent have to do something that they don't want to do that's not democracy that's tyranny and so uh, we know the definition of democracy when two foxes and a hen decide what to have for dinner. And that's exactly what's happened in the United States is that the, the majority has, and I'm using the word deliberately, have, has oppressed the minority. And that's why you have this polarization in the country.
Murray, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. How do people follow you? MurraySabrin.substack.com. I'll be writing at least twice a week. I have been writing twice a week, sometimes three, four times a week, uh, when, especially when there's a breaking issue. And if uh, Biden's uh, announcement about the Ukraine, uh, sending troops to Ukraine is, uh, is, is uh, verified, then I'll be writing about that, saying this is another example of the warfare state, the, uh, the interventionist state that America has been having on a bipartisan uh, approach since the end of World War II, and we have to stop it. Peace is the foundation of prosperity. Uh, war is the antithesis of peace and prosperity. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dan. And we'll be right back. And we're done. That was Thank great. You. Thank you so much. Uh, do you have a website? Well, I have a website. I haven't been using it, murraysabrin.com, but I've been using the Substack. Uh, uh, so if I send you a copy of the show, do you have a place to place it? Oh, yeah, I can put it on, on my Facebook page. I put it also on the, uh, I'll put it on my uh, uh, website as well, murraysabrin.com. Do you have my email address? Um, I will get it from, uh, from AJ, but I will get it to you as soon as, I, as soon as it gets on the air. Terrific. That's great. So uh, which website does, uh, does the uh, podcast go on? It goes on blacksandwhites.us. Uh, we're under construction with a new site. should be up in the next few days, but uh, it'll be there and, uh, uh, and it'll be under uh, my show. There's a drop down menu that all the various shows on the network and uh, it'll be on my show, Black and White, and uh, you'll be the, they'll be able to see it. Terrific. That's great. I really appreciated that. Where are you, where are you uh, broadcasting from? Fort Myers. Oh, you're in Fort Myers. We lived in Fort Myers uh, near the airport on, off of Daniels Parkway. That's where you are? No, I'm in, uh, I'm in uh, Naples now. We moved to Naples last October. Okay. Okay. All we right. moved to Fort Myers in June of uh, 2021. And then um, because of various uh, factors, uh, we moved here in, in October. And uh, we're in an independent living uh, campus here in, uh, uh, in uh, Naples. Well, super. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. And we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com. That's bwradionetwork.com and give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.